The following message is the opinions of the hosts and is not intended to be medical advice. Viewer discretion is advised. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. I don't know where that came from. How do I know that? And it turned out that nobody knew it. And I was getting really freaked. With the right conditions, we have an inversion. That's when I first started saying, they don't know. Nobody really knows. This whole thing is a big sham. And what you're seeing here is the we accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as that. Welcome, guys. Episode number 15 of Unearthing 5D Reality. Guys, today I'm here again with Derek, obviously. We've got a guest, Ira Rogers. Um, I picked Ira specifically because of his knowledge around the topic that we're going to be talking about today, um, which, as you guys can tell by the title, is the idea of germ theory. Um, if if these germs are around us in our environment, if we need to eliminate them, it's just the idea of germ theory in and of itself. Um, and also in the second hour, I asked um, Ira to prepare a little bit of a talking um, points about um, terrain theory and kind of produce that. So this will be our first talk. And I know that me and Derek have brought this up a lot in past podcasts that we do need to talk about this because it does keep coming up in, in multiple areas of conversation. So um, I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, and I know Derek is too. Derek, what's going on? Hey, hope everybody's having a good day. So yeah, you've heard us talk a lot about germ theory and our beliefs on how the body actually interacts with these so-called germs. And so today you're going to actually get to hear from a very well-versed gentleman on what exactly is it we are up against? Are we battling germs or are we battling more propaganda pushed by our governments? Well, yeah, we're basically today we're just going to look at like what's going on. We're going to honestly um, try to take apart and ask what's happening in our environment. That's that's right. Um, anyways, I'm Ira. Yes. And uh, thank you for having me on, guys. I uh if anybody's curious and wants my written work or any of my information about my three-hour film, which completely unpacks this in a more cinematic fashion, I, I made a three-hour film called Beyond Good and Evil. I'm currently writing a book called Vanishing Point in which its chapters are being released on my Substack page, proxyearth.substack.com. Um, so that's kind of like the foundation of where, you know, a lot of frequently asked questions can be directed to. Uh, but I'll, what I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to be very profound to say there is no such thing as a path. There is no direct evidence of a pathogenic virus existing because what you're looking at is extensive amounts of the medical literature and, and even, you know, people trying to unpack the complexity of what's going on in germ theory. Uh, we have this presupposition of contagion that was taught to us in the education system about how, a, a virus can be the cause of disease. So what, what we have to question is that claim and then pick up and then, and then we have to also offer alternatives as a means to be like, okay, why would this, why would this be set in place in place of something like eating fast food or distortions of frequency or, you know, bringing down someone's psychosomatic 
vibrations to a level where the stress makes someone have raise their cortisol levels up, all those kind of things. And so what we're looking at is germ theory being insisted upon us based on based on a theory that arised in 1861 by one uh, French chemist and microbiologist, Louis Pasteur. So it's, it's the investigation of the claim. So in common law, we find the burden of proof being shifted toward those who make the claim. Um, and that's, that's exactly what's going on is there's a claim that there's invisible pathogenic virus that's so small and it's, it's being mistaken under a microscope as what is actually cell detritus, also known as cell poop, as, a, as the psychiatrist Kelly Brogan likes to put it. Um, but anyways, yeah, I'll let you guys interrupt yeah. me here. <laughs> so I just want to ask, uh, is there a difference between what we would call a germ and what we would call a virus? And are these two distinguishable or are they one and the same and we're just kind of labeling them? what we feel is necessary for the, the well, narrative. I, I, I would quickly, I would quickly suggest to throw a third thing under there just to create like a little philosophical stretch and an extreme comparison. Uh, you could also say, does a unicorn exist? Uh, because in this sense, the virus, which would be the cause of the disease, like all we've been shown is like on television pre-programmed and like, um, pre-programmed in even Hollywood movies, things like that, is that, I mean, don't get me wrong, like The Walking Dead is one of my favorite shows, but it's fiction, you know, it's <laughs> the presupposition of contagion, as in, can one person cause another person to be sick? It's, it, they, they're presupposing it's a virus, like, what they're trying to take away from people is their own subconscious ability to understand the terrain around them. Um, and, and as, you know, as I like to point out in one of the scenes in my uh, fair use film, my philosophy film is I like, you know, there was a scene in the Monty Python and the Holy Grail where, you know, nobody was, it's basically in that scene, there's the guy with a mud wagon and he's dinging this like really dull bell saying, bring out your dead. And it's a metaphor for what was going on a long time ago with the black plague. Okay. So, they, I they, love that movie, by the way. That's like that's one of my favorite film. movies. Yeah, yeah. Hilarious. It, it is. And 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 that's the thing is like what you must notice is that the royal like, I mean, to let me just shrink it down and just like speedball it, is that the royal societies and those people were not, you know, doing proper plumbing. So people I mean, people have to go to the bathroom, right? So mm -hmm. then what's causing people to be sick? It's like, well, is it a magic path is it a magic pathogen virus that emerged out of some bat soup or some sort of like uh you know some sort of wizard of oz thing in a laboratory or is it is it uh the fact that people are defecating in the streets and you know, one of the one of the senses you have is what are your five senses like i know your i know your podcast is called unearthing 5d reality dude i'm trying to unearth the five senses and let's use one of them how about your nose like <laughs> like let's 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 simplify this man it is like it is just gut feeling like long live the rednecks i say and um in this sense like if it smells bad it's probably bad for you okay what they're trying to tell you is that the reason people are getting sick is because of an invisible uh, virus that 
you know, comes off of like, you know, weird wet markets and it's just, they just make it up. Um, and then the, the foundation for this is exactly what it's, it's the exact empty space that's needed to expand state control and state totality. And so you can get massive amounts of people to do what you want by shifting the onus and the collective responsibility of public health onto mass numbers of people in strict uniformity, strict uniformity by using like subconsciously assaulting uh, Adobe Illustrator cartoons and happy cat video music to like ideologically possess people with this empty space that is nothing. There's just nothing at the bottom of this rabbit hole except like there are solutions when you find out what is false. So what my analysis of, of finding the core of germ theory goes back to me being a hardcore musician for many years and, you know, just crushing books about like, you know, what, like the mystery to me, let's say before the, the uh, COVID religion set in and everybody decided to sit six feet apart for a while. Um, the, the, the mystery for me was how was it that these, you know, totalitarian states were able to perform and, and how, how were they able to prevent people from rising up? Um, and, and what they just basically used was the general fear and pseudoscience in, in, I mean, let's just, let's just use the Nazi state, for example, they vetted out scientists to match with the ideology and, you know, deem the, the undesirable population of those places as spreaders of disease. They stigmatized these, they stigmatized certain people within the population. And what's really happening when you zoom out is it's just the state punching down on the civilian class. Um, and, and I don't see a difference in what's going on today um, for, for the early stages of, you know, the 1930s uh, Nazi state. Uh, they, they essentially got so strict into their pseudo reality to the point where, I mean, they, they were beheading students who spoke out against the state, uh, which would, you know, be uh, Hans Scholl and Sophie Scholl of the uh, White Rose Society. And that's, that's essentially what you saw is like, you know, you, you saw pathogenic lies told to people by the state, which distort the very nature and foundation of people's connection to the laws of nature. And so when we, when we look back to why germ theory became popular, as, a, as a Barbara O'Neill put it, when she, she explains so well in, her, in a video, she was like, in a video, it's on my YouTube channel, it'll probably get taken down. But she was saying, uh, yeah, like, Louis Pasteur had, had, had the germ theory. Uh, and he essentially pitted people to believe that the cause of disease was something external from them and, and that it wasn't their fault. You poor mm -hmm. thing, you pitiful thing. And that just creates the victim complex. And so, you know, he, he like basically plagiarized Antoine Beauchamp, which was a contemporary of that time. And Antoine Beauchamp had the terrain theory, uh, which is the, obviously this is kind of what my, my film and, you know, large sections of a book I'm writing is, uh, is about. Can I interrupt you, Ira? It's time. 
<laughs> I just want to interrupt you real quick just to talk yes. about this. Um, I, when I was going into this research, it was really profound to me that I didn't even know like the size comparison from what they were saying viruses are to like a red blood cell. And I would ask people to look that up. It will it, it will really open up your mind. And I know that um, Derek is going to have some thoughts that he wants to express here because we were kind of talking about this previously um, yes. this weekend before this conversation. But if you look at a red blood cell, which we can clearly see through a microscope, and then you look at the size that what you coli is and then you look at the size of smallpox or polio virus or these other viruses that they're claiming exist which i know i've said it i said at the start that i'm on the fence and i know me and derek are both on the fence about this um but as far as these when i'm looking at smallpox and polio um i don't think that these exist and i can see the motivation and i totally um i, I totally can jive with ira's thoughts and kind of why he sees that yeah. they would be perpetuating this onto everybody to get everybody to wear masks and to get control and to get fear. Um, for the most part, we've kind of gone over that and, and shown that that is the main thing that these people are trying to do to get um, control of us. But that is that is one thing I just wanted to point out quickly while Ira yes. is pointing out all the awesome things he is. These these things are so small, and um, I want. Derek to kind of talk about electron microscopy um, a little bit because when you look into this, that's the first thing you're going to be presented is that they are seeing these things through electron microscopes. And it kind of confuses me a lot, but I want Derek to kind of explain what's happening there. Well, and so that's my – I've got a few problems with all this that I really, really would like to work out. Uh, like, because you can look under microscopes and see organisms. Like, this is no secret. Uh and so, like, it, yeah. it's, I'm just kind of questioning, like, what are they? Like, okay, they're not what they're telling us they are, but what are they? So, like you were saying earlier, how um, people were getting sick because they were going to the bathroom and they didn't have a place to put it. So, they just threw it out the window. Uh, so, if, if that's the case, then interacting with this fecal matter would get you sick. What, what about this fecal matter is getting you sick? Uh, what's in it that makes it not healthy to be around? Uh, that's just one of my like immediate questions that I get is like, okay, if if it's not accurate, then what is it? Like, if being around it gets you sick, what what about it gets you sick? You know what I mean? Sure. I, I think I think that I think that that kind of question is very very good. But I would just say, you know, it smells bad. It makes you sick. Like I'm I'm trying to like. You know, be like, let's just use our gut. Which I can here. jive with that because if yeah, you yeah. do stay around, like, um, like feces, things like that, mold <laughs> will build up. You can, yeah. um, like, Your if you look and... into like molds and things like that, the aromas yeah. that come off molds can make yeah. you extremely sick if you stay in them in house. So I can kind of see the it's... thought process on that specific sure. one. It's it's the necessary deck. It's it's the decaying of of it's it's the decaying. It's the state of decaying which mm -hmm. causes things around it to decay which and that's is, yeah. essentially like you know if you pee your pants and then walk around all day eventually you're going to smell bad you probably shouldn't go to a party you know like, yeah. like let's just be real simple about it and then like so basically what, what we're looking at is like okay how much zooming in versus how much we're zooming out and then trying to find a balance in between that's on the frequency that we literally occupy <laughs> you know like if there's if there's a poop on the ground you know that's probably shouldn't remain there especially if it's just like on the floor of your bedroom uh that's that's just like you know that that's just indicative of the inevitable it, like empty space with the inevitable 
you know, let's say the inevitable evil that people have to contend with. Now, what I'm saying is if we look into what part of this, let's say, <laughs> let's say just a big poop that's just sitting on your desk and you breathe it in too much, it makes you sick and it's whatever. Um, what part of that is specifically making you sick? It's like, well, it's kind of like the same question that, that uh, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these, let's say, scientists, and I put quotes around scientists, I would say those science type people. Uh, it's the same question they were asking when there was a scurvy outbreak on a, on a naval ship a long time ago. Um, so what's going on? Scurvy outbreaks going on. Uh, people figured out that you, that the crewmen on board a naval ship could be given citrus. They, they had, um, they had lemons and oranges and then the scurvy went away. Okay. Now what happened is people who were scientifically minded and mainly funded by the Rockefeller oil people, which, you know, they're very trustworthy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, they wanted to find out because, because they know that nature cannot be patented. Okay. So then they wanted to find out what part of the lemon and the orange is, is the thing that's curing scurvy. And we're going to do multiple experiments. We're going to do experiments just like we do with the isolation of a virus later on. It's, it's like mirrored like crazy. There's actually an episode about this with a nutritionist on this guy, Patrick Black uh, does a, uh, he does a podcast called a light on podcast and this nutritionist completely breaks down how they isolated vitamin C. And then I'll explain to you how they isolated a virus. And it's going to be similar, similar, but in this, in this particular case, they, you know, boil it down, run it in and out of incubators. And all they're doing is take peeling a lemon apart and trying to find what part of the lemon was making people well enough to get rid of the scurry scurvy. And they were trying to isolate that from the lemon, right. Rather than just giving people lemons and turn it into a petroleum pill form in order to, and then they, and then they said, this is a vitamin C pill. It's good for you. And then instead of it curing people at a hundred percent, well, a healthy patient is a customer lost. Now it's like less than that, but you get people depending on the thing that you can sell them, which the, which the medical industrial complex has patented into petroleum medicine. And that's, that's the exact problem. So when we're looking at, uh, the poop being the thing that makes people sick, which is your question, which is a great question. We're like, okay, but what part of it is, it's like, well, I mean, it is definitely some sort of decaying bacteria. Like we don't have disagreement with many people in the microbiological uh, or, the, you know, many of the scientists who do have microscopes, I don't disagree with them on the existence of things that are very small. And I, I, want, I want to close this point and then pass the mic back to Caleb here because I'm going to answer your thing that you were talking about. And this is, a, this is a gut feeling thing I like to tell people when it comes to looking at the claimed size of the virus in comparison to the human cell. And the claim, it, it's like you could just like estimate it to be like this. Let's take a human cell and, and scale it to be the size of America. And let's just, you know, think about the size of America and how long it takes to drive across uh, from New York to L.A. And then you think that's a cell under a microscope. And what they're claiming to be the size of a virus is about the size of, like, the passenger seat of your car in comparison to that. It, it's it, and, then, and then every single time that they amplify 
every single time that they have a new invention of a microscope, when they move from the light microscope to the electron microscope, when they move from the electron to the rife microscope, the definition of a virus tends to change as if it's running away from something. So anyways, I'm going to pass it back to Caleb here. Okay, so um, with that, with him ending talking about the electron microscope, and that's very interesting. I've never heard that, and, and it doesn't surprise me that the idea is changing as things go on. It's The way that I would relate that is similar to the shape of the Earth, where the higher that we go up, the further the the the, the goalpost keeps moving. They used to tell us that um, we could see curvature of the Earth from 30,000 feet. Everybody would say that. They'd say, get on a plane, you idiot. We can see the curvature of the Earth. And now you've got Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson – out there saying, oh, no, you idiots. These people were only an inch above the, the ball, and there's no way you can see curvature from there. So as we get higher, they keep moving the goalposts. So as technology furthers and we can see smaller and smaller things, they're going to keep changing these definitions yeah. if they are being dishonest, which I can totally agree. And, but and um, exactly Derek, right. I want to jump back in um, to and, and the, the idea of the electron microscope and have you just explain that verbally to everybody, kind of what's going on. Because me and Derek have talked about electrons, but from my research, Research on the electron microscope is what it is kind of, um, which is how they're saying that they're getting the the you know the what these things look like and such. They're basically, from what I can understand, it's still an image. It's not a photograph. It's sim. Again, I would relate it again to the shape of the Earth because that's what we all love here. We love that the Earth's flat. Um, it, it, it's the same type of thing as them showing these these fake balls with curving water around them. I mean, this is the same similar idea. It's it's just an image from what I can understand. Well, yeah, exactly. And and honestly, I just wish these people would be more upfront and honest about how these things work. Because technically, an X ray is the same thing. You know, they use invisible lights to view things that are otherwise hidden. Uh, that's essentially what they're doing with these electron microscopes. What they do is they, they fire an electric beam uh, onto a specimen and they measure the interaction with it using the, the magnetic field that happens uh, from the interaction of the electron microscope. And so what they do is they beam it at it and then everything scatters. And as it's scattering, they could basically uh, say what is what based on what, what initially happens from it. So they could they, there's something to it because... You could take chemistry and change one substance into another substance because of <laughs> the molecular bonds that these do. So there's there's no denying that there is something happening. And that's why I just kind of wish they'd be more honest and let us know that, hey, like, we don't know. This is purely speculation. We're just trying to do our best job instead of them pretending as if it's all solidified science. Because <laughs> essentially, when they look at it, yeah, they're they're they are getting an image that is a reaction from what they're doing. And you can observe this reaction and you can make hypotheses based on this reaction. Uh, but essentially, all a, an electron microscope does is it fires a, an electric beam, which has a charge at a specimen, and then uh, it it scatters. And then the way it regathers, they could say, okay, it had six beams that collected to an electron or to a proton, what they call these things. And then they just calculate it based on that. So, um, you know, this is how they image the inside of a cell and all of these different things. Cause as you were saying earlier, uh, what they call viruses are, they're tremendously small. They're, they're, they're beyond comprehension. And so yeah. the best thing that they could do is make an educated guess and, this kind of goes back to our whole idea on like atomism and what it is like, mm -hmm. uh, like Bohr's it, atomic model. Yeah. Like exactly. Like what, 
what is it on that scale that makes reality? Because everything is composed of these things, like uh, the the magnetism that glues everything together is present in everything. And I think what they're attempting to do is dilute the idea that we are in an energetic realm and that everything is bound together by this magnetic energy. And I, it just really makes me wonder, what is this energy and why are they trying so hard to hide it from us? Why are they pretending so hard that they've got it all figured out when clearly they're on to something, but at the same time, it, it stinks. And as we learned earlier, if it smells bad, you probably shouldn't eat it. <laughs> I, I I think that our last episode is a perfect um, pre to this episode because it kind of seems like they're doing the, the same thing with the food as they are with the viruses because it's similar to what they did with the food pyramid where they told us, oh, you can eat bread, you can eat um, all these different pastas, and you'll be healthy. It doesn't matter what you – and calories matter, guys. It doesn't <laughs> matter what you eat. The calories matter. So it seems like it's very similar with this where they're telling you, oh, it doesn't – don't look at your Tylenol pill bottle. Don't look at the, the lawsuits over here on the left. Don't look at left field over here. No, it's these are viruses, guys. These are viruses getting in your nose and you're getting sick. Don't look at what Tylenol is causing autism and all, all these things. No, 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 no. It's it's viruses. So it kind of seems like it's the, it's a similar thing. And I really would like Ira, uh, Ira to talk more uh, kind of about the history, but I don't want to take um, off where he's trying to go right now. I know oh, he's good. got somewhere he's trying to go, but um, I do want to talk about the history because it is extremely important. When you find out this is like uh, almost an every hundred year thing where they're telling everybody to mask up and they're just killing off hundreds of thousands of people through these vaccination programs, through breathing our own exhaust fumes. These things are, um, I can agree, are what are probably causing sickness. And I want to talk real quick because when I was doing this research, I found this and it made me sick. Uh, but there's a current lawsuit going on right now with Tylenol um, in 2022 um, Tylenol, NyQuil, DayQuil, Excedrin, Mucinix, Robitussin, Alka-Seltzer Plus, Goodies, Paracetamol, paracetamol um, and some other stuff that I can't say. But the, the first four are what really caught my eye. Tylenol, NyQuil, DayQuil, and Excedrin. Those things are probably – everybody listening has probably taken one of these. Um, if not in their childhood, we're giving them a lot. And there's a lawsuit going on right now. Um, let me just read this. Tylenol lawsuit and settlement causes potentiality um, potentially being investigated include claims of individuals who are diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder after being prenatally exposed to, hence the other the all the other drugs that um, I've been showing. So when we look at this from a third person perspective, a bird's eye view, we look at the vaccination programs, we look at the food. We look at the the programming of the food. We look at the, the viruses. We look at the shape of the earth. There's so much that they're lying about, and it seems like this is just another one of those things. But another point I want – I know this is turning into a little bit of a rant, but um, another point that's kind of bothered me personally about the idea that these viruses don't exist is the idea of like strep throat. Like I, as a kid, I have plenty of times where my sister would get strep throat and then I would get strep throat. So, and then maybe my mom would get strep throat or then my grandma, she came over and then she would end up in, and you can see the correlation um, of the pattern of like, you know, maybe we came in contact, we ate together and 
Um, the idea that something might be being passed on some sort of level, um, I, I'm not fully away that that's not happening because, again, even last week I got sick, and it, it was like a one-day sickness. I don't know what it was, but all, all of my family got it, and the first people that had it was my sister, and then she came over with her kid. I held her kid, and then I got it, and and henceforth from there, and then pretty much every, it spread to everybody in my family, it seemed like, and then to my extended family when they came over to eat with us. They went to my grandma. Same type of thing. So that's what bothers me about this idea. Um, I can see where they would want to tell everybody that the polio virus exists, and they want to kill us. You know, I, They put up the Georgia Guidestones, for heaven's sakes. It makes sense. But and also the coronavirus, that was very obvious. Uh, that was super obvious that that didn't exist. You can even look at the fact that they're using the flu. They have a flu and coronavirus test now. It was, it was literally just a flu. Whatever they're finding with the, the flu tests, they're, they're testing the same thing with corona, essentially, is what they're admitting to us now. But So I can see it, but um, I guess I would ask, what do you think of that, Ira? What do you think of what I just proposed, the idea that there might be something going on? Because even last week, like I was just saying, I had a day bug where I threw up. Everybody had the same thing yes. where we just randomly needed to throw up. It seemed like something had gotten passed as well as I will also bring up the idea that STDs, um, sexual transmitted diseases, are real. Sure. Okay, so check this out. So what's going on here is uh, – First of all, about the, uh, I'll, I'll make a quick comment about the STD thing. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Sam Bailey has a video. It's like 20 minutes long. It completely impacts. She specifically talks about the disease herpes in which mm -hmm. we're told in the education system that we specifically have this for the rest of our lives. And that, you know, it's like, okay, essentially what we're looking at is some type of cold source. So anyways, what I'm going to respond to is the idea, the presupposition of contagion. And mm -hmm. I'm going to try to go through this very quickly. So um, I'm going to quote uh, – this doctor in naturopathic medicine, Amanda Vollmer, uh, here in a moment. But first, I'm just going to explain from my mind uh, what we're experiencing as opposed to, to contagion, which is person-to-person -person transfer of a virus going from one person to another, is a distortion of frequency and, and, an, and a symptomatic episode of sympathetic resonance. And so it's similar to where you would compare this to something that's not contagious, such as if I was right in front of you in a room and I broke my arm and you saw it happen and you saw like a bone sticking out of my arm, you're going to somehow something in you as an empath as I, you know, I'm quite certain you are, you will feel that pain too, mm -hmm. but that's not a, a contagious issue. Like I'm clearly the one who broke my arm. So I have to kind of zoom out and use an extreme situation, which is very, very much in the material world to explain this. And what's your, what you got going on is like, Thomas Cohen points this out in his book, uh, The Contagion Myth, regarding uh, regarding what's going on with you know the presuppositions of contagion from person to person. Is you have like let's just put this in the, to answer your question about the five the, the family members you've had and how you all mm -hmm. had symptoms, um, and then we look at like the this like start with the very simple thing. I have a fork in my hand. This is a fork, and would I stick this fork into an electrical socket that would not feel too good because that frequency in that electrical socket in which the energy systems are sieved and controlled and put a meter box on our house because the oil company people are trying to tell us that Benjamin Franklin invented electricity with a kite and a ring, which is clearly just not the case when you look at like old world architecture from 500 years ago. The point is they're giving us dirty electricity from crude oil because they figured out how to do this in the mid 1800s. This 
fork going into an electrical socket would shock me. It's that simple. If we start there with that gut feeling, when we zoom out, we see that all these 5G towers are being put on water towers of small towns, and then it's inverting the water. And anybody who watches the film Terrain, well, I don't want to spoil the ending, but I'll give a clue. There's a lady in there named Vita Austin who talks about the frequency and the consciousness of water and how you can ask it questions and then freeze it and then it comes up and then what this 5g stuff is doing is inverting it just like a microwave just like this is why you don't microwave your food so when i zoom back out back to thomas cohen's book i'm gonna go ahead and tell you he he points out there like if you have five coal miners going into the same cave okay and they use the canary in the coal mine to see if there's like poison, mm-hmm. poison, carbon monoxide or whatever. So if you go into the same and, cave, uh, Can I explain that real quick? Because that's a cool please. story. They basically would take yeah. the canary bird deep, deep down into these caves. And if the canary bird either – I don't know. You might be able to elaborate, Ira. But it would make a noise or it would fly back out of the cave. That would tell you that you can't go any further, that the carbon yeah. monoxide um, contents are too high for you to be sure. able to breathe. I mean because it was – Cool, it was like, cool story. So, so yes, exactly. And, and so – Let's just say there's five coal miners who are just going back to work the next day, and they're picking – they're mining ore. It doesn't matter what the ore is. It doesn't matter what they're picking, and they're picking at the walls just mining ore, and then they come out, all right? And then the next day, they can go back into work, and they're, they're mining the same area. Day number one, after they're mining the ore, one person has symptoms. Day number two, three of the five have symptoms. Day number three, all five have symptoms. And what do they do? We're being tricked by germ theory, the germ theory brainwashing, into blaming each other. When really, what were they striking with that ore? They're picking at like, I don't know, something. Uh, uh, Thomas Cohen's like, oh, well, then they're picking uranium. They're not going to blame the substance, the terrain that's making them sick at the bottom of the at the bottom of the uh, the coal mine. Like they, they might be picking at a substance that's making them sick from their terrain. But it's not a pathogenic thing going from one person to the other. And so, uh, you know, I want to expand upon uh, how Amanda Fulmer explained, uh, you know, I qu- I'm quoting her in my book, actually. That's why I'm able to control F this so fast. Uh, but she she simply points out that she goes, quote, I experience sympathetic resonance all the time as a very empathic being, sitting and listening to someone's story telling me for 45 minutes, birth to now, what's gone on, what has happened, what illnesses and experiences they've had, and I'm putting myself in their shoes, in their position, so that I can understand what they're saying. Always the client knows what's wrong with them. If you have ears to hear, you will hear them tell tell you exactly what it is, and that's the mark of a good practitioner. If you parrot it back and you listen and act, if, if you listen and ask them, what they think it is, and a lot of them will be very close to the truth of what's happening to them. It's like the opposite of what most doctors do. They don't listen to their patients at all. Amazing, isn't it? But you can, as an empath, listening to a story, embodying it in my imagination, I can begin to create a chemical cascade in my mind that actually affects me physically. I've had all sorts of experiences when clients are leaving and I feel their symptoms. It will fade over time, but what it tells me is that I can pick up symptoms that would have no relationship to any type of particle contagion whatsoever, like arthritis. And I can have their thing by my thinking, by my empathy. What's happening is my field and their field are connected. And I'm trying to resonate with them. Can I, I'm trying can I interrupt? To, yeah. So is that kind of what you're theorizing happened with my family? Is kind of like, yeah, is like, that what the theory is? Is we were around each other and maybe one of us, oh, hey, oh my gosh, you threw up. That's, that's horrible. Right. And then you like, you literally kind of take on that. Yeah. And that's and, what you're and, saying. And, and you cut in at the exact right part because 
there's a different part of the book where I mm-hmm. pull up another thing that she says. And that's something that you were saying. And, and she, I'll let Amanda Vollmer answer your question via a quote that uh, another quote of her. I mean, she's kind of a rock star of this stuff. But she yeah, goes, yeah. Everybody should be very – if you guys don't know who Amanda Vollmer is, she did the True Earth event. Um, You guys definitely needed to check out her stuff. I yeah. just followed her on TikTok yesterday. I don't know how I didn't have her TikTok, but I just followed her. So um, definitely check out her stuff, but keep going. She rolls. Uh, so she so she says, quote, see right there, even with the language, you get a cold or a flu. The word get is a problem that is coming from the germ theory brainwashing, that you are a victim who walks around in your world getting things. I was just walking down the street, and then I got a cold, and now I have a cold. I got it from someone. And she goes, she says, this is the sea change that's needed for our thinking. You didn't get anything. You made your sickness. The toxins in your body from your lifestyle made you sick, made you have symptoms. Symptoms are healing you. Symptoms are expressions. They are releases of toxins that have been stored inside your body, and there are triggers for those things. All kinds of things can say to the body, enough. You go to a party, eat a bunch of junk, drink a bunch of alcohol, stay up late. Next day, you have a stuffy nose or a sore throat. You go, oh, I must be get or i must i must have got something when i went to that party well that's called victimhood and that's that is just not how the body works and the sooner we get out of the germ theory brainwashing and understand that those particles actually have never been isolated or shown to be cause any disease in any way shape or form they don't actually exist as described in fact by the method section of every virology paper that exists that we've examined so the problem is this We don't want to take self-responsibility for our actions and our behaviors. It's way easier to pass the buck onto someone else or somewhere else or an invisible floating particle for why we have expressive symptoms. And the way we speak, the way we assume is part of the issue. So we need to change the word, I got it, or I'm getting it, or I acquired it from someone else, or it's this, I'm blaming the particle for why I'm sick. She explains, just like uh, Dolores Cannon explains as well. She goes, no, you made yourself sick with your lifestyle by poisoning yourself, by suppressing symptoms with drugs and shots, so on. And I know you haven't done those things, but what I'm saying is in our thinking, we like our words cast spells. That's what we're doing. We're spelling words. And it's not to like, you know, gaslight you at all or nothing or to assume that it's all your fault. No, it's it's way more like, hey, man, like we have – we have this issue of here's here I'm sharing an image of some power lines just to show you something that's so unesthetic. It's like we've been we've been told this corny sales chop in order to 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 make us believe and reinforce the systems of energy at play from the people who control those systems of energy and distribute these energy systems to us. And you know, I you know, I'll pass it back to you for a second, but uh the point is, is what I'm going to follow with this on my next comment, and just to give you bringing it up to speed, is I'm going to bring you back to the fact that the crude oil industry emerged, and it correlates exactly with the years going on with the emergence of germ theory, and then and then Robert Koch's magic discovery of tuberculosis. He 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 claimed to have isolated the virus that would have caused the disease tuberculosis when really it's like you can't just think about that fork going into the electrical socket as a 
you couldn't think that the electrical socket being not in frequency with earth, water, or human beings being the very issue that's possibly making you sick from your terrain and your frequency. That's what I'm, that's kind of what I'm at what I'm getting at. So I yeah. hope that kind of helps. I, I hope I, you know, yeah, it does. It actually goes right along with what Caleb and I have been trying to present to everybody for a year now. Uh, that's hundred so years ago, something happened where these people started to take over through the oil. They started to take over through the medicine, through the education, and they're able to control us on so many different levels because everything you know comes from them, whether that's how to be healthy, whether that's how to do your job or everything we everything that we know has been taught to us and the people who are teaching us do not have our best interests at heart the whole idea that the your your mind actually controls these things and like you you literally can have mind over matter that really resonates with me because i i know i from my research the mind is a powerful thing if you think you're gonna die because of your illness then there's you have a way higher chance that that's gonna happen versus if you know hey i'm stronger than this i could beat it this happens all the time this is why in modern medicine they they can't be certain on how it's gonna work on you is because your brain actually does control a lot of the outcome that you're going to experience but what i'm wondering is something that the power of suggestion more or less works on people who don't truly understand and when they hear these things they don't they don't think about them they're more like a programmed response because everything we've been taught came from one spot and they teach you to not question to just accept is this kind of thing like does that correlate with people who are more or less head in the sand versus people who are more empathetic and out there working on themselves because a lot of uh, the people who are more aware, you know, like I don't, and I, I could be wrong, but I don't see them being as sick as somebody who's completely oblivious to somebody who takes all of the medicines that they're being yeah. given. Cause most of us know not to take prescriptions, right? Like that's just obvious. Right. Uh, but the people who do take them often get more sick. And the more you go to the doctor, the more sick you get. Is this because they are really in such a state of mind that they're allowing the the world around them to just lead them around by their nose and uh, teach them that, you know, you interact with somebody who's sick and you're sick because mm -hmm. uh, it just it it's kind of seems like if you have more empathy, you'd be more and like you'd be more susceptible to that kind of thing. But from what I've experienced, and what I've seen around me, that's not exactly the case. Yeah, it's the excesses of inherent goodness, which kind of provide like pave a red carpet through denying the chaos of the inevitable evil that's the you know the pendulum swing opposite of the empath goodness itself and so on a spiritual level that's what's occurring but uh in the sense of like material material symptoms okay so like if you if you start to perceive your symptoms as your body casting out the toxins and your body communicating with you you find out that that's exactly what's going on and then you know, it, anybody who wants to tell me like, oh, a virus totally might exist. So like if they want to ride the fence about it, I, that's, that's totally fair to question my claims. Uh, but I would, I would quickly just say, all right, hop in the car, man. We're going to drive down the highway and we're going to, I'm going to give you a little uh, piece of paper where you can count how many fast food restaurants we're driving by. And, you know, like we're going to, we're going to look at the, we're going to look at the Hansel and Gretel game being played with these like, you know, or kind of like uh, the C.S. Lewis books, the uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the Turkish delights that are being presented on a silver platter 
which are just like you know essentially material poisons that are causing the things. And and to add to what Caleb was saying earlier when he's saying, well, I don't believe the polio virus exists. It's like, well, that's fair uh, because I agree because polio and what what's the things that are causing polio are specifically in that time they were they were mowing people down with this white dust called DDT. It's the treatment and the preventative medication on the general public on the presupposition of contagion itself, which is causing the disease. And so that's kind of what I had to say about that. Well, and just so everybody knows that uh, during this discovery of germ theory, this is when vaccinations became more mainstream. You can find things from before this where they would like inoculate different animals with different things. Uh, but the this Louis Pasteur, he got called to come heal some sh- uh, sheep because, you know, he was the germ guy. And there was a whole herd of sheep where they were sick and he created a vaccine and his vaccine killed, I think it's like three or 400 percent more than uh, the so-called illness. And so these things don't like the history of these vaccines aren't being given to us. Uh, but yeah. like the entire concept of of these things all being externally, I really think that that is the main focus of this is they don't want you to eat healthy. Why? Because they can't patent foods, right? They can't. They could patent something from the food that they extracted and synthesized and all of this. So they'd yeah. rather sell you that instead of yeah. Yeah. allowing you to eat healthy, allowing you to think healthy. Your, your mind is powerful. And the water you, you drink. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They, they want you... They they make they make the substances that are far more difficult to make cheaper than organic substances, which just simply grow out of the ground. <laughs> like, and uh, you know, it's so simple as that. Like, why do they make this food cheaper? It's like, well, who qui bono? Who benefits the medical industrial complex? Who's how much money they're making on the back end? They, they, they make so much money on the back end of people just simply paying for health insurance. It's similar to um, – I know Derek has said this a lot, but it's similar to social media or things like Pornhub. If it's free, you're the product. If it's extremely <laughs> cheap, right. you're the product. If That's you're right. eating McDonald's for the $1 McDouble, you're, you're getting energy. away financially, but you're going to pay on the back end with cancer and other things. Yeah, that's why, that's why they do it. I mean it's, it's, it's as simple as like you know, the, the availability of like – why someone would pay you money to donate plasma um, yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's all it's blood money it's obvious and and, it's and, blood and money. they're draining they're draining people's people people's spiritual connection to their own 21 grams of weight inside of them which constitutes their soul which has already been proven by dr duncan mcdougall in 1907 and i already you know kind of went over that in my film at the very beginning of it um but it's the 21 grams of weight experiment where he had six consenting dying patients die on a scale in which the the moment their heart stopped they lost 21 grams of weight which which gives empirical scientific proof that there's an existence of a soul inside of us that leaves our material uh avatars right but it doesn't like leave and obviously i think you and i uh we we've we've all concluded in in this uh conversation at least we We've all cl- concluded that these souls don't go to space because yeah. <laughs> that ain't real. <laughs> yeah, <doesn't exist. laughs> uh, yeah. Like uh, that's that's part. Like the whole thing with this this germ theory stuff, and and it goes back to like the the same thing they're doing with trying to insist to people that these uh, crude oils are 
like the de- the decadent bones of di- of dinosaurs, <laughs> like the the fossil fuels thing, is a sales chop uh, to simulate scarcity, and that's a that's exactly what they've pulled off with these uh, with these with the rollout of these mRNA injections, uh, and and of course like there are plenty of people I know. Who were listening to, you know, I'm not going to say any names, but definitely some very popular controlled opposition podcasters, which you can read about in my article called The Formula, in which they were being pushed monoclonal antibodies, right, as an alternative to treat COVID. And what you find is, I'll be very simple about that, is that uh, monoclonal antibodies are nothing more than, um, well, you find it's it's got the same thing it's got graphene oxide in it just like the vaccines which were rolled out uh, for the covid thing and uh monoclonal antibodies they roll off the tongue nice and it's egoistic like you know tongue it's an egoistic yeah. tongue bath of hard consonants isn't that weird people, how it just sounds good to stay into a microphone but what they are they're made by astrazeneca and they're just vaccines and <laughs> like that's it. They're just vaccines and they are, they are AstraZeneca vaccines given a fancy name. And like, you know, you could sit around and like have these giant pissing contests with all these peer reviewed papers that go over. It's like, you find that the monoclonal antibodies just have graphene oxide in them, just a little bit of research. And that's, you know, you got to kind of like abandon this lab coat nonsense and just kind of be a redneck for a minute and be like, yeah, it looks like you renamed a vaccine and got the Florida governor to push it on people as a healthy alternative to, to treat COVID. And it's all in the dialectical um, chess match of black and white squares to play good cop, bad cop, in which the foundation of the entire thing uh, insists to you that they isolated a virus when they never did. And so um, what I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll point out one of the uh, cool parts of my film that I made um, uh, is that you have to look at the claims and, and, and most people won't because it's like, it's unreadable. It's kind of like if I, it's kind of like if you and I are not playing Grand Theft Auto video game right now, but I'm sitting here in a microphone, just telling you what the cheat codes are as if that's going to help you tomorrow when you are playing the game, that's not going to help. I'm going to sit here and be like up, up, down, down. That's basically what these boring to read extensively like long and arduous to read virology papers are. But there are people who are, it's the same thing with like space with like NASA. It's similar where they make it so complicated. (laughs) Nobody wants to look into it. It's a freaking like chalkboard sales chop. It's a, it's a commercial. And so what's going on is you have this, okay. You have, you have, what they're actually doing is they'll they'll tell you on the on the papers what it is. It'll say something like a word Vero C L O eight one or something. No one, no one knows what that is. No one should know what that is because it's it's you know what it is? Okay, it's a scientific explanation for monkey kidney cells. That's what they are. They're monkey kidney cells. And then there's something else which has another fancy name. And okay, so I'll just tell you what they do, but they, they disguise it, they mask these words with fancy scientific sounding words. And so here's what they do. The virologists, when they, when they claim to isolate a virus, they just take a human cell from a sick patient. They put that thing into a Petri dish. That Petri dish has the human cell. They need to keep the cell alive long enough 
using bovine fetus serum. Now that flies over my head the first time I hear it, as it should anyone. But bovine fetus serum is cow bovine fetus, like a so now we're looking at a cow fetus. Serum is like the opposite of a poison. And you know, you, people can know what serum is from like, I don't know, Metal Gear Solid 3's uh healing menu or whatever. But the point is is that serum is the opposite of a poison. It's you know, whatever, it's a base. So you have this human cell stuck into a petri dish, kept alive with bovine fetus serum, which that's not flying around in the air. And then they create this thing called the cytopathic effect by poisoning it with these uh, with these necrotoxins. One of them is a, a monkey kidney cell culture being inserted into it, which is the Vero, CL, whatever. And then they add human liver cancer cells to the mix, all right? And they add all the like a couple other things. Then they mix it up in the in the little concoction, and then they stick it inside of an incubator, pull it back out of the incubator, <laughs> freaking take a picture of the whole thing, and then they insist to you they isolated the virus when they never did. And this is the similar thing is like what I'm trying to do as an artist, and you know as just like what am I? I'm a hardcore musician who, you know, whatever. Okay, so here's how I'm going to explain it to the everyman is let's just say I have a car. Or you, you, let's say you drive up to me in my in your car, and you are asking me, "Hey, we're just having hanging out. We're gonna let's hang out, whatever." And I just pull out a hundred dollar bill. I tell you, I'm willing to bet you a hundred dollars that I could take this ping pong ball and throw it through the windshield of your car. And then you're like, "Okay, so you agree to it?" Because I probably can't, because I'm not really that strong. But um. Then upon the handshake, I turn around and duct tape that ping pong ball to a cinder block, and I throw it through <laughs> the windshield of your car, and then I collect my hundred bucks, and you're out a hundred bucks, and you're out a windshield of your car because you signed up for my uh, really, really insidious lie that I my my horrible carnival ride that I pulled out and lied to you, misled you about at your own expense, but your own consent simultaneously. And that's how this whole thing works. And that's what happens when people think they're getting a virus. That's what happens when people acknowledge the virus existence as, you know, settled science and very real. And it's, it's not, it's just, it's just a corny bunch of wizard of Oz Pinocchio bullshit <laughs> it's it's from what i've from what i've been able to deduce it's similar to like what they're saying with the protons electrons it's it's kind of a, an explanation it's kind of a, just a way to describe reality and a phenomena that's going on but i just wanted to i didn't want to jump in and interrupt him derek oh, i know good. he has a question well uh i just want to like everybody needs to understand that the United States' number one source of income is through a medical system, okay? The government does not care about your health. The government does not care about the price you're paying for insurance or any of this. And they're certainly not going to give you information that's going to keep you out of their system. The number one income for the United States, which is the biggest out there, is our medical system. So to believe that these people would willingly give you a free jab to help keep you out of their doctor's offices 
is beyond ignorant. And, and by the way, I want to jump in. Those jabs are costs like 140 to 120 dollars each one, and they were handing them out for free. And then imagine the contents that they were doing with 140 dollars per shot. Imagine what was in it. Sorry, Darren. Well, and not only that, but uh, the companies who created them, like up in uh, I forget which one came from Canada, but the Canadian government actually ordered three shots per every citizen, which you know, each one, it was one shot for each dose. He ordered three of them because the rest of the world, we were paying uh, this tax. We were giving them money for creating this jab. And for every one that they sold, they got X amount from the rest of the world or however it worked. Uh, but they were ordering more than they needed. Okay. So basically the whole consensus of what we're talking about here is these people have trained you to look outside to them for things that are controlled by you. You control your thoughts. You control the things that you eat. You control the things that you do. And what they've done is they've taken over these things and they made you super dependent on them. So now instead of getting your nutrition from your food, instead of having positive thoughts about who you are and what you are, you think you're an evolved monkey. And you think sitting next to somebody who's sneezing in the hallway is going to get you sick. And all of these things are by design to lead you into their trap because the more you take from them, the more they take from you. And I'm not talking about just money. What we are talking about here is your consciousness, your health, your will to live is being affected by these things. And if you if you are to the point where you actually believe that you need your prescriptions or the doctors know what's right, you, you just need to step back, be objective, and look at this thing from an outside point of view. What do governments want? They want control and they want money. And I don't like when people say the governments don't want money, they print money, that's ridiculous. The people who run the governments want your money. The government itself is a fictitious entity. So yeah, sure, it doesn't want your money, but it's run by people who do want your money. And because they want your money, they don't care what they're going to do to get it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, for real. Here, do you want to take it anywhere? I know we're getting towards the top of the hour. Do you have um uh, anything you want to get into the first hour? Do you have uh, a, a, if anything? Actually, we should probably just wrap up the first hour and jump into the second. Um, Ira, can you tell everybody again where they can find you? Um, and maybe like some recommendations of literature that they should look up that would be helpful. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, well, wh where where I can be found is proxyearth.substack.com, and on there you find. You know, you'll find links from which you can like, you know, you can send me cat videos on Instagram or whatever. But like <laughs> I uh, on proxyearth.substack.com, I am on there basically writing various chapters and making uh, philosophy films. And, you know, occasionally, like, for example, I released the first part of my book called uh, Vanishing Point which uh, there's like a six minute video introduction, which, you know, provides a little intrigue for people who, you know, would like to catch up to see what happens when rockets go up and then how it has to do with the game of chess. Um, so, you know, there, there's things like that. And then various expositions, I made a three hour film called uh, beyond good and evil, which definitely analyzes what there is with, in regards to the germ theory games being played out right now. And the solutions that can, you know, unveil themselves via terrain theory, which we're going to be talking about in the second hour here. Mm -hmm. I, um, 
I do that, and then on my YouTube channel, before it gets censored, I guess I, I made a bunch of vinyl hardcore records uh, over the years, and you know I got some more hardcore records coming out soon, uh, mainly with the band I drummed for for many years called Much Worse. So uh, that's going to be pretty cool if, for anybody who likes really fast hardcore rock and roll. Uh, so uh, some 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 good recommendations I can provide for anybody is definitely to go – Definitely to flip around at if they for people who have frequently asked questions, I would definitely look at watch the entire you know watch the entire film called Terrain by Andrew Kaufman and Marcelina Kravat. Um, that film is just you know it's a it's a masterpiece if you ask me. Uh, and for the for the people who are kind of on the go who kind of want to like get their smaller questions answered, I would definitely recommend uh, Dr. Mark Bailey and Dr. Sam Bailey and their work, uh, which can be found on Odyssey uh, as opposed to YouTube where they get censored all the time as well as I do. And then there's a, a really great, really great podcast. It's probably the, you know, I, I definitely think uh, Caleb and Derek, you guys podcast is incredible. There's another one that uh, kind of his specialty is completely unpacking and allowing his guests to completely rant it to the bottom of the issue. He's issue he's, he's interviewed really great people like Kelly Brogan and, other people like that, but uh, Patrick Black from Light On Podcast, um, definitely worth checking out. You guys should probably interview him sometime and hear if you if you were wanting to do more episodes about terrain theory, he would be a really really good asset for that. Um, yeah, we will in the future. We'll have to hit him up. I'll get that contact yeah. ready. Yeah, dude, he he's 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 kind of like you know he's he's an artist like I am. You know, he does video artist and that kind of thing. And he was like an he was an actor. Uh, and some stuff, but he came out just like, you know, speaking out about terrain theory and, you know, he kind of amplified its importance and how it's basically the, like the germ theory itself is the wobbly leg of the chair in which the, in which the totalitarian state is just standing on right now. Yeah. That leg, if that leg can be kicked out and people can like, you know, just abandon this germ theory brainwashing and at least like, at least like ask questions like by all means we're willing to debate it but like you know the people mm-hmm. who push germ theory and people who jump into the medical uh and the medical freedom movements and act as the controlled opposition in order to push germ theory and make sure that the people who are skeptical don't go too far away from the germ games well those those people won't debate us <laughs> so like yeah it, sh- it should be quite telling that we're onto something Awesome. Well, thanks for giving those links. Um, yeah. I, unless Derek, unless you've got something, I think that we, we will wrap up the first hour and jump into the second hour, um, talking more about terrain and um, the idea that these germs might not actually exist. Awesome, guys. We will see you guys in the second hour. This will be the fir- the end of the first hour of episode number 15 with Germ Theory with Ira, me, and Derek. And we will see you guys if you are a member and you want to hear the second hour of this episode and every other episode that we have produced. Um, just make sure you guys become a member um, for just $10 a month. And uh, we will see everybody that is a member over in the second hour. Thank you, guys. Subscribe to my Substack, if you will, yeah? Subscribe to his Substack. See you guys. Yeah. <laughs>